0: You are listening to Why the Truck!
1: Are you ready to truck it? I'm Dooner here with Michael Vincent, the dude.
2: Hey! Happy Groundhog's Day from Freight Alley, bro.
1: Very fitting. It seems like we've been sort of living in a time loop for the past two years. Straight, <laughs> just Unfortunately, over over again. man. Yeah, it
2: really does suck.
1: <laughs> <laughs> You're absolutely right. Oh, hey. Oh, and Isaiah in the back. Brian just uh, texted me if you can call him on that number I gave you. There you uh, go. Brian Brace Trucker. on. He's going to talk about the convoy coming to the U.S. We'll, we'll find out from him if we can get him up Convo. on air. But uh, worst play, Tom Brady doesn't mention the Pats or Belichick in his initial retirement announcement or Washington Picks Commanders is their name. Uh, Equally
2: bad, uh, bad play on Brady's part. I (laughs) think he should have done that and missed opportunity on Washington's (laughs) part. The name was already cool.
1: Well, <laughs> right. Uh, it looks there. Uh, guys in the back, too. Brian says he's called. He, he doesn't have an answer. I don't know. My screen says Brian on the phone. Let me know what's up, guys. Thanks. Um, Sweet. Speaking of uh, heading to Washington, we'll, we'll hopefully we'll learn from Brian about this Freedom Convoy to D.C. EXO Freight's Curtis Treiber is going to talk about building the marketplace for open-deck shipments. Uh, freight Company CEO shares their new port timestamp app, 3PL system CEO on how load booking automation works. And Lula's trucking CEO is here to talk about their uh their pay per day truck yeah. insurance Very model true. Got to tip the band before we get all into it. We got right here, it's uh, Surge Transportation thinks non-competes are stupid. Non-competes chase away good talent and stop talented people from joining the supply chain industry. Tear up your non-compete. It's not enforceable. Email jobs at surgetransportation.com and open your office tomorrow. Now, if I understand correctly, I believe we have Brian Brace. He's trucker and co-organizer for Convoy to DC 2022 on the air. Can we bring him up? Brian, are you here with us? Hey, Brian, are you here with us? Guys in the back, can you see what's up with Brian? In the meantime, who do we got in the bullpen back there? Guys, you got to talk to me. Let me know what's up. He's not available. Who is it? Who's... Okay, well, we got, Cam- we got Cameron Robertson here. Apologize for <laughs> that. He's the CEO and president over at 3PL Systems Inc. We'll see about getting Brian in. Guys, can you update the screen over here
3: too? Um, yeah, thank it you. Says Brian uh, Cameron,
1: on. thanks for joining us. Sorry about that confusion. Can you introduce
3: yourself? Yeah, absolutely. I'm uh, Cameron Robertson, I'm the CEO president at 3PL Systems. Uh, I've been with the company for about 11 years um, and located here in Southern California.
2: Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Hey, so uh, are we going to really talk about Barry Goldwater today? Is it, we'll ask is him it, about that. Yeah. Is, it, <laughs> is, it, is, it, is it true that, you, uh, that your dad's from the Congo and, and y- 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 you had a pet monkey named Barry Goldwater? Is that right?
3: Yeah, yeah. My dad was born in uh, Belgian Congo in uh, 1952, right. and he had a monkey called uh, Barry Goldwater. Um, it's funny because my grandfather was there uh, to teach the local natives how to uh, you know, introduced modern farming and how to raise cattle. So they had an endless supply of food. Um, and that didn't go as planned, but yeah, he lived in, uh, the Congo and Zaire until uh, late sixties. So,
2: Excellent uh, stuff. So, uh, that, yeah. that obviously led you to your passion for, uh, creating automated transportation software, right? I mean, when, when did that, when did that come to fruition?
3: Uh, that's an interesting story. So I joined 3PL in 2011. i uh, going to be honest with you. I wasn't planning on staying in supply chain uh, all the way up until now. Um, none, of us,
2: none of us were, Cameron. <laughs> Don't worry about it. No.
3: <laughs> yeah. So uh, it was the last few years. We rebuilt our technology from the ground up in 2016, uh, reintroduced our technology in 2018. Uh, and ever since then, we've been really focused on freight automation and uh, making our clients more efficient. So that they're not focused on uh, mundane tasks where, you know, they're trying to check, did a carrier pick up a load or uh, things like that. Instead, your system should really do that for you. And uh, we've deployed a lot of different technology inside of our TMS that um, allows you to, you know, focus on the exceptions, not focus on the tasks that should be automated through AI machine learning or uh, other means of APIs, EDIs, so on and so forth.
2: Yeah, dig into it a little bit. Tell us about what what the processes that you, you guys are you're automating there and how that works.
3: Yeah, sure. So we introduced ShipMind uh, in beta about two years ago, and ever mm-hmm. since then, we've been improving on it. Um, and the way ShipMind works is it actually takes your freight from your clients, creates the load inside the TMS, pulls it from their WMS, ERP, um, whatever system they're using, uh, automatically selects a carrier to um, move that load, automatically dispatches it to the carrier location, tracks and trace it all the way through to delivery, uh, invoices it, you know, verifies is, is, is the invoice accurate or not um, without any human interaction on it. And anytime there's an exception, it goes into a queue alerting your team that you know you need to take a look at this load. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen some pretty amazing stuff done with it so far since we introduced it. Uh, so it's a uh, pretty exciting technology for our clients, and the next phase of that is really trying to automate TL with some of our partners in the industry.
1: Cameron, where is booking automation at right now? can you uh, Can you tell us a little bit about the state of technology in 2022 and sort of the journey that that automation goes through when you're when you're booking a load or booking a shipment or what or what your system does?
3: Sure. So uh, we utilize a lot of different partners uh, in our industry, and there's a lot of other um, providers that do stuff similar that help with this. But um, the, the journey of it is really when, when a shipment comes into the application, a lot of that verifying of the information inside the TMS can be automated. Uh, you're giving the, the system a set of rules that it needs to follow to verify and check. After it verifies and checks the information on that uh, load, Um, you really don't need a human to do that. Uh, and the next step of that, the next phase of that is to automatically select a carrier that you may utilize, uh, within that lane regularly, um, whether it be SDs, Old Dominion or whomever you want to use. Um, and then after that carrier is selected, it goes through a process of electronically dispatching it and it goes through an actual waterfall. So if it failed to electronically dispatch through an API, uh, it would fall back to email, email the carrier Um, And if it ultimately fails altogether, meaning it can't actually dispatch the load, it's going to alert your staff. And then the tracking and tracing is just utilizing APIs that are available to a lot of us. Um, A lot of us, technology providers, directly from the carriers or Project 44, MacroPoint, Forecast, so on and so forth. We're all great providers. Um, And then at the very end is just delivering that load out, making sure you invoice your client uh, accurately and correctly. Um, you can deploy technologies such as triumph audit which is used to be uh, hudTran uh, to mm-hmm. double check that information for you um, and then ultimately get that invoice out to your client with no no real human interaction on it
2: it's really interesting. I mean, the human inter- So let's talk about the limitations uh, about the about automation, right? And the things that are being solved. Because when you're talking about it, it's instantly yeah. it executes that contract, right? Which is a huge benefit. We can talk about that as well, the freeing up of capital, if if you'd like. But where do the limitations of automation come into? And what are those things that we need to solve next?
3: There's a lot of human action, human interaction in freight uh, that we're all aware of. um, Where there's certain exceptions, where you have to reach out to a carrier and make sure they can cover certain shipments. When it comes to hazmat movements and things such as that, there's certain type of hazmat uh, that you have to identify specialized carriers uh, to move that freight. Or if it's oversized freight, things like that, um, you need to find either a police escort or some company that needs to escort. Uh, certain freight through the state, depending on the local laws of that state. Um, so there's limitations when it comes to things like that. Um, and I, I believe truly, ultimately, we're going to overcome those limitations. Uh, but you know, it's just going to take time. I mean, we've seen how far AI machine learning has come over the last 10, 15 years, and it's only going to improve over the next 10, 15 years from here on out.
2: Yeah. So, Cameron, talk talk a little bit about those benefits that 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 come in.
3: Uh, biggest benefit is you're you're able to repurpose your resources to focus on a real, true ROI generating tasks. I, I honestly feel in an organization, when it comes to uh, any of your people, everyone's in sales, in my opinion. I, I don't care if you're on the engineering side, if you're in operations, if, if you are in sales. In my opinion, everyone's in sales, especially in a freight brokerage. Um, so it allows even your operations people to reach out and possibly... Those new deals for you and your team, uh, things that you could challenge your team to do that they may not have done in the past. So there's uh, a lot of benefit uh, around, you know, true ROI, um, you know, focusing on ROI based tasks.
1: Hey, Cameron, thank you very much. This has been super interesting hearing yeah. about automating that. Before we let you go, I mean, you do have this view of all these different shipments. What Any predictions as we move through the rest of the quarter here? Which direction do you see the freight market going? All we're seeing is, is it going up and staying at very high levels.
3: Yeah, no, I you know, from what I'm seeing, I, I feel like we're going to level out and we're going to start to see a decrease in it. Um, you know, even with uh, sonar uh, freight waves technology, you're kind of seeing that with your data. Um, so honestly, I think over the next few months, we are going to see a, a decrease and capacity should start to open up as the uh, ports free up.
1: Well, Cameron, thank you very much. Say hi to Jeremy for us and, uh, go pet that monkey. Absolutely. Well, <laughs> take it easy. Sir. <laughs> Sounds good, guys. Thank you. Bye. Okay. So we, I believe we do have Brian Brace here now. He's trucker and co-organizer for Convoy to DC 2022. Brian, are you here? Yes, I am. How are you? Sweet. We're, hey, we're doing good, Brian. Uh, where are you right now? Are Are you up in Ken, or are you planning this event from down here in the lower forty eight?
0: I'm in the lower 48. I'm an American trucker.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's what there I heard. So, so I heard recently you're putting this together. I saw you, uh, you were on Fox News just the other day, and I also saw on Twitter you were talking about putting this event down. And I also noticed that you are, I know Todd Campbell over from 104. I noticed that you're associated with this, so these convoys are nothing new to you. But what about this particular one, Freedom Convoy 2022 And Canada, spoke to you and decided that you wanted to not only get involved but come up with a convoy to D.C.?
0: Well, uh, let me first start by I did not in any way come up with the idea of the convoys to D.C. There's a lot of people out there that are working together. It's a strong team, about 13-14 organizers. I just uh, some people are shy at talking publicly. I'm not, <laughs> hey. so I, I'm just doing a lot of the talking and things. I mean, I'm involved in the planning, obviously, but but uh, it's a uh, it's a group effort to put this together. And and honestly, what got us involved was that this is something that uh, we've wanted to do for quite a while, um, you know, since the mandate started and things like that. Uh, we've wanted to do it, uh, but, you know, we never had the uh, really the, the the American people backing. And, and, and thanks to our neighbors up to the north, the Canadians were able to rally a lot of people behind the cause. And we're really excited that we can bring that same level of enthusiasm and people that are uh, – basically have had enough and they're ready to stand up as well. And, and we're excited to finally be able to bring that and put it together. And and it's coming, it's happening, get ready.
2: Yeah, it's very interesting, Brian. So one of these things is, and we get asked about the convoy in Canada is, what is the message? Is it the mandates? People say this, they say they saw that it gets hijacked by different things. What is the clear and concise message that convoy to DC is about?
0: It's it's a, it's really a simple thing. It's to end mandates. It's, it's to protect your constitutional freedoms as an American. Mm-hmm. It's to protect your um, human rights as, a, you know, your rights as literally a human being on the global scale. This is affecting the entire world. And enough is enough. It's time to get back to work. It's time to end these mandates. And when it comes into trucking, you know how it comes to trucking, it's just simply that we, we don't like to leave our homes not knowing if our families back home are safe. You know, if they get sick, that they could go to the hospital and that there's enough healthcare staff to take care of them and to help them. You know, they're firing healthcare workers, letting them go because they don't get the vaccination. Mm, they're, mm-hmm. they're firing school teachers because they don't get the vaccination. What about my children, getting them ready for college, getting them ready for trade school, getting them ready to be out in the workforce, getting them ready to be cons You know, uh, positive influences in our society. What about our law enforcement? Those that help protect truck drivers every day out here on the road. What about those guys? They're all being let go. These are all quality individuals, upstanding people of their community. They're heroes during the COVID pandemic. Truck drivers are our hero during the pandemic. We need to work together, come together, and this is simply—it's not a right issue, it's not a left issue, it's not an anti-vax issue. This is just simply about your basic human rights, as some would call your God-given rights, and and as an American, as your constitutional rights. That's it. And the mandates. That's all we're asking. No, so
1: Brian, and I, and I hear you, and we've been following the Freedom Convoy since yeah. we heard about it. We thought all last week as it moved through Canada on its way to Ottawa. And one thing that I noticed was that there was a lot of media, right? And there was uh, even, not, not just media, it's people online. There's a lot of people from, from certain political leanings that were trying to paint this as if it would be like another January 6th, or yeah. it wasn't really yeah. about mandates, or it was, uh, you know, it had this big political thing. But what I noticed and what I saw, what I saw was people playing hockey, people giving out food to the almost people waving Canadian flags, uh, supporting the country, supporting these different truck drivers. Uh, Maybe there were some bad incidents, but in general, I think that it was kind of given not a fair shake. Would you agree with that? It was sort of like people wanted it to be a certain thing, and it didn't turn out that way.
0: Yeah. And I mean, we're kind of starting to experience that ourselves on this planning. And like now that we've gone public with it and everything, we're kind of experiencing that too. It's, I don't know why, and I'm not going to sit there and try to get into these debates with, with, uh, uh, uh media bias or, or a left agenda or a right agenda. I'm not going to get wrapped up in that because that it, it has no room for this. These people are help Truckers help their communities as plain and simply, they help their communities. Okay. You think that they're really out there trying to intentionally do bad things. There's, there, it, it it's, it's ridiculous but yes there are people sometimes with bad intentions that get mixed in and 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 unfortunately you you can only do so much to try to weed those people out and that w- and we do have people working very diligently to try to do that um but i don't understand why you know let's let's say either the right or the left would want to try to change the story or make it something that it's not i'm completely confused this is just an american issue it's not it's not a left or right. It's not an even it, it, I, I don't care if you want your vaccination. Go get it. Please go get vaccinated. That is your right as an American. And that's all this needs to be about. That simple. Uh, twisting the story totally and trying to make these things out to be like it's a January 6th repeat is absolutely ridiculous. And in my opinion, I hope that the American people and the Canadian people and people around the world are watching how different media outlets or, or politicians are trying to twist it into something that's not.
1: Well, I think one of the unfair things, too, that that you kind of see and that's getting lost in some of this message is this sort of force to either side of the aisle where yes. I think that there's – there's, a, look, Brian, there's a lot of people out there that are vaccinated that, that support this, that they oh, absolutely. support what you guys are doing but are against the mandates. They're fine for free vaccinations, free testing, but they want the stores back open and they want people to get back to work like what you guys – are talking about. And you have experience with 10 DC, right? So you know how these protests have to go. You know that you have to work with law enforcement. And you know that if the message gets hijacked by the wrong groups, it undermines everything, Amen. right? You guys seem very cautious. The Canadian oh, the cannon I- rally seems uh, cautious of that too.
0: Right, and let me be clear that this has nothing to do with trucking regulations. This has nothing to do with Ten Four on DC or whatsoever. My opinions do not reflect Ten Four of DC in this situation. I'm doing this as an American and an advocate for the trucking community and, and a concerned citizen of the United States. Um, but yes, you're right. You have to you have to um to in order to not undermine or destroy your movement you need to work with law enforcement you need to be peacefully it is a it, this is protected under your first amendment right okay it's a first amendment right protest ultimately you have the free speech to do this you you can do this and, and but you need to follow you need to go through certain steps in order to do in in order to do it and it and it and it be done properly professionally Um, And and I like to say like with 10-4, I like to say with some class, you know, Um, early on in the 10-4 plan and we had some uh, uh, things that would undermine what we were trying to do. But we've done a great job of cleaning that up and straightening it out. And now we got a really powerful thing and great thing going on that. Now, that's trucking regulations. That isn't what this is about. But, you know, that's just the example. I do have experience putting these things together. I do have experience uh, advocating for truckers on Capitol Mm -hmm. Hill. I've met Mm -hmm. with like with uh, organizations. I've worked with organizations, um, walk in the halls and meetings. I've worked with the FMCSA. I worked on the uh, current hours of service. I, I've been very active in that stuff. And, that, and that's my role in this is helping with those kinds of things, um, you know, in D.C., with law enforcement, with the media, working those kind of avenues that I know need to be done in a certain way. Otherwise it gets completely undermined and thrown out. And, and I'm honestly, I'm disgusted right now by people trying to twist it into things. It's not, you know,
2: amen, Brian, uh, class or integrity, either one I'm, I'm with you. You, you were recently on, on Hannity and you said the event from California to DC had a go date of March 1st, but it couldn't, it could happen sooner than that. Tell us what's going on behind the scene.
0: So I, I will give you what i, I can um, we're obviously have to hold a lot in you know close to the sure. chest right now through this process but um, what what i can tell you is that we have a um, uh, we have a large number of trucks and people ready to go in California um, we are just um, at this time making sure that all the all the t's across the eyes are dotted what that March first date basically meant was listen, that's our go date unless we can get it to go early. So no matter what, it's happening, it's just a matter of is it gonna happen in the next few days or is it gonna happen on March first? It could have it could take off any time between now and then. So everybody just needs to be prepared and and uh, you know, join in. Don't hate, join. Understand it's not your constitutional freedoms. <laughs> Amen.
1: Well, Brian, yeah. hey, we understand. Thanks for giving us some insight on what's coming up with this uh, convoy. We'll keep on the lookout for it. If there's any more information we should need to know, you know how to reach me. Let me know. And, uh, you know, as long as you keep it peaceful, I-, I fully support what you guys are doing, getting the message out there. I know how hard yeah. it is to organize truckers to put these type of events on. What you're seeing, Kenneth, is pretty unique. And what we may it see is. from California, D.C. could be pretty unique, too. I don't know. 2022 yeah. could be the year truckers really start using their voice. Brian, once again, thanks for coming on the show.
0: Thanks for having me. Um, I appreciate it. Thanks,
2: Brian. Take care. Take care. Yeah, too many times people just don't exercise their rights, right? And and, and pretty soon they're gone.
1: That's the thing. I mean, over the past <laughs> two years, and he mentioned it. you know, we've talked about different types of events to, to protest mandates or this yeah. issue or that issue. And really the only one that got traction, Michael Vincent, was at the beginning of the pandemic when the spot market completely tanked and yeah. a, a smattering of drivers went to the White House. And remember, they got like a bag of hats.
2: Yeah, yeah. They wanted a floor on rates. Right? Yes.
1: they <laughs> <laughs> got some hands. Yeah. Well, hey, joining us now is Guillermo uh, Mayo. He's the chief executive officer over at Freight Company, and his goal is to make drivers' life easier. We talk about retention all the time, keeping drivers in. Well, a lot of drivers, they get stuck there waiting at the dock. They get stuck there waiting at the receiver. They get stuck waiting everywhere. Maybe they're on traffic like too long. I don't know, but he has up a, uh, the ability to timestamp yourself. That's the app he's working on give drivers the ability to have some accountability and keep you accountable. Guillermo, thank you for joining us on the show today.
4: Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it.
1: Wild times. I also, I noticed you, uh, you nodding in agreement a little bit with some of the things Brian had to say just about truckers, you know, using their voice and advocating <clears throat> for
4: themselves. It is a such a pleasure to see people like Brian speaking out, right? Because, uh, I'm a advocate of, and a little bit biased because my father's a truck driver in the yeah. port of New York and New Jersey and the region, best friend, same thing. And, um, they actually do have a voice, but some people don't get to see it in some of the social media platforms or any type of media. So it's so important to and I've, my team and I have decided, hey, we have to give these people and these drivers, men and women, a voice because during COVID, they were the ones out there. My father was out there uh, and my friend was out there. My fleet was out there at that time. And uh, it's so important to understand uh, that side, that story. Uh, Because it is a a very critical and important story to our country and supply chain in general. Uh, They're the asset bases that uh, move uh, everything we need in the supply chain link. So so I am so glad they're standing up and and doing what they're doing.
1: Well, you're so right. I mean, the hashtag was thank a trucker or not thank a trucker. Now shut up. And maybe one of the ways that we can thank truckers. for for being frontline workers during this entire pandemic is listening to their thoughts two years into this pandemic when they work through it yeah. the entire time. I yeah, think they may, may have something important
2: that. to say. They may have a perspective on this.
1: Now, we already know a little <laughs> bit about you because you told us you are the son of a truck driver and you are making this app. Tell us a little bit about it. What's the elevator pitch on this freight app?
4: Okay. So the goal here is to really bring to life, uh, not just on social media, but creating our own social media that works for the truck driver to really tell the story like, hey, I'm here seven hours and sometimes they're not getting paid for it and also showing the evidence. So it's not just a social media where it doesn't work for you, where you get to chat. Uh, It's a social media that actually collects data and then brings it where it's a a process where um, drivers can see what's going to happen in the future and forecast the wait time they're expecting to see or not and and be able to discuss with their terminal. uh, Hopefully that, hey, we're going to be there for seven hours or warehouse, 30 hours. And this way, the warehouses can also adapt to that and make sure that the reviews are time-based so that we can see, hey, they're getting better, they're getting slower, and really get to communicate uh, the feel that a driver at a warehouse, at a terminal, uh, it's the customer, you know, being human again, and really have that special touch where they can uh, instant message a warehouse, hey, I've arrived, instant message a terminal if there's an issue. So really opening the whole supply chain, uh, starting with truck drivers, right, because they're highly neglected, But this is where they're going to be able to empower themselves and really show facts. Hey, I've been here this much. This is my timeline. This is what I've done. You know, my engine's been running. I've been wasting fuel. So this is the stuff that really uh, my team and I have really developed to really capture their voices. Right. So uh, hopefully um, this is uh, the end. The end goal is to make sure supply chain works together and gets to communicate properly so that their values, because everyone's different, uh, is actually brought to life as well. So
1: how do they communicate properly? How do you how does the app verify wait times? Because that's like the the biggest opening concept of it, verifying the wait times. So how does that all work within the network?
4: Okay, so uh, let's say, for example, if a driver uses or has his application working in the background, uh, when they enter into a terminal or a warehouse that's already in our platform, it'll automatically calculate. But let's say a warehouse communicates with them uh, via the app and say, hey, wait at this uh, this, uh, truck stop or uh, another yard, they actually can add that to their wait time so that they can actually communicate through the platform, share through text, through PDF, through email, and say, hey, I'm here, I've arrived. Or, hey, this is how long I've waited. Uh, here are the facts, right? It's not just by signed PODs that some people don't want to sign, sign bill of ladings, but this way, the bill of lading will be time stamped. Uh, so, yeah, the app is very very versatile when it comes to working in the background, and a driver can manually start a wait time, uh, kind of like you know how uh, Nike tracks its runners this way, uh, our app, the freight app, will track the drivers and then show what they've done, uh, how long they've been waiting, and really give them that uh, capability of the automation side and the manual side so they can do both.
2: So uh, I get the, one-on- the one-on-one communication here in the data and what's going on there. Is the aggregated data, whether it be anonymous or not, uh, then also used for planning of,
4: of other parties? Uh, Yeah, so the goal is to evolve where other parties can come together and and receive this data. So, for example, uh, a trucking company that really wants to uh, change their way of doing services, the app will eventually help them do that. But it all starts with information, right? It all starts with, hey, what to expect? How long should a driver be waiting at a terminal? So, again, I'm talking about the Drades side and both drive and Uh, warehousing side so it'll evolve uh, to other uh, niche markets in the supply chain so for example let's say uh, the waiting time at a warehouse the goal of the app and the whole network will be eventually to tell you the warehouse owner we need more manpower Mm. we need more uh, automation uh, or more hours of service we need to open up more hours because drivers are arriving at 7 p.m. So now this, this way, it'll communicate with both sides, right? And then help the warehouse develop uh, so that we can all move as fast as Amazon. So that's basically the goal of the app, to basically organize information so that everyone can take a clear use of that information and adapt to the market. Uh, especially in California, we're seeing those huge delays. Uh, they're offering, government has stepped in to offer some ideas. They're not working, even throwing out some maybe some benefits for the driver for late raw uh, services. But mm-hmm. this way, I think the app is going to be factual and say, hey, this is not just one-sided. This is not uh, based on the union information, terminal information. This is based on truck driver information. Uh, and that is there live at that moment. Yeah, so density and, of data is... A,
1: well, have you, of, like, have you heard have what, you uh, heard what Domino's is doing? So Domino's, they don't have enough drivers. So yeah. they'll tip you $3 if you go pick up your own pizza. Really? Right, yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe some of these <laughs> <laughs> reverse yeah, benefits. Are, so, like, the ports look to being punitive, right, with this, like, $100 dwell fee, the escalating dwell fee that they keep kicking the, the, to the corner to. Yeah. What about doing the opposite? What about, uh, what about starting at a certain amount, you pick it up early, you know, you get 10000 and it goes down from there. Take the money out of the stack.
2: Hey, let me know you when next time you order <laughs> yeah. pizza, I'll go get it
1: for I you. Know, so before we let you go, so you're, you said <laughs> your dad's a trucker. What is his feedback
4: bit on the yeah. app? He's got to be your power user. He is one of our power users. Uh, He's awesome because the app is multi-language. So uh, he's there chatting and and talking to other drivers and literally saying, hey, this is chaotic. Don't come here. Right. But that's not the goal of the app. The app is basically to let people know what's going on. Right. Uh, But they use their own voices, which is awesome. Uh, Like Brian did. Brian has that passion. And I know truck drivers have that passion no matter what language we speak. This app will bring us together based on the data it collects and the data it will supply uh, so many uh, terminals, warehouses, truck stops, so that they can adapt to the driver and uh, how everything works. And organizing supply chain, eventually, that's the goal. And we hope that we will accomplish that.
1: Nice. And hey, guess what? They can download that right now. Look up Freight app on yeah. the iOS store or in the uh, the Google Android store and you can get yourself That's checking correct. this thing out. Hey, best of luck with that. Yeah. Update us in the future on how Thank things are going so and have a great week. Thank you, sir.
4: Thanks, we Will do. Thank you. Appreciate it. Have a good one, Simon.
1: Bye-bye. You too. With fully furnished, state-of-the-art repair trucks and a full array of roadside tools, you can expect the safest, fastest and most painless response from your fleet with Love's Truck Care right. and Speedco. To learn more about their roadside assistance, where should they go?
2: They should go to loves.com <laughs> <laughs> immediately after this show, of
1: course. The new reads. The new reads always take us like a little bit to ease into. We get our yeah, full yeah. dialogue down. That's a right. Full, like baton pass. Yeah. On oh, that one. Yeah. You don't want to drop that. Needs that needs a little work. We'll get, we'll, we'll get it. Get, done. We'll get, we'll there. get it. We'll get All right. Listen. In the meantime, though, we'll talk to uh Matthew Vegas Sands. He's the CEO at Lulu Lula Trucking. But as I understand it, he also started the company with his twin brother. So, is this even Matthew? Can we verify that? Thanks for joining us today.
5: <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, by the way, thank you guys so much for having me on. Uh, and just for all of those that are looking. For a way to verify if it's actually me or not is I myself, Matthew, I'm always in a cap and hoodie. Michael's usually dressed more like an adult because he does stuff on the business side of it, ah, and dear. so that's the easiest. That's the easiest way to tell us apart. You're also the son
1: of a trucker. You've got a brother that's a truck driver. So following up from that last interview, yeah. another, another person here who was inspired to start something yeah. because of the blood in the family. But before you did all that, I noticed you were over in my old stomping grounds of the Commonwealth of Massachusetts over at yeah. Babson. Are you from uh, Massachusetts yeah. originally?
5: No. So I was born and raised in Miami. And my dad's actually not a trucker. My dad did real estate. But my grandfather had trucks. My older brother had his own fleet of trucks, and then fun. And then I grew up on a small farm in South Florida, um, and so I was around heavy machinery and trucks my entire life. I remember playing on my grandfather's pickup truck, or not pickup his pickup trucks and his semi trucks that he had out on the yard from a really young age, and it was something that uh, that was just always with me. And then eventually, I made my way up into. Uh, into a school called Babson College, which is in Wellesley, Massachusetts. So about 12 or 13 miles west of of Boston. And uh, that's where I spent about four and a half, five years of my life. And then I moved back to Miami in 2019. And, uh, and I've been here ever since. But I had to get out of that cold. It was too much.
2: <laughs> it's going to get, going to get nasty again up there this week. It's like Brady. Yeah. Just like Brady. Had to go down yeah. But yeah. uh, so I understand those, those trucks on that farm were kind of the inspiration for Lula, but uh, give us yep. the elevator pitch.
5: Yeah. So the big thing that happened was uh, my brother and I started another tech company while we were in college. And so we had some success there. And my older brother, With his fleet of trucks, he did a lot of natural disaster cleanup work with FEMA, and his trucks would sit uh, unused for three months at a time, and then they would sit and they would be used every day for three months at a time. And I remember always him. I always remember him always complaining about insurance and saying it's crazy that I have to pay the same in insurance whether these trucks are used or not for that particular month. And I would always tell him, "I bet I can build some piece of technology." so that you pay for the days your vehicle is actually in use. And so that was how the entire idea for this, for this program came about. It was because I saw my brother paying for insurance premium, even though they were just sitting there. And so that's exactly what we're building today and, and, and what we created. It's essentially a trucking program in which you'll be charged for a premium on the days that your vehicle is actually on the road. And so – Instead of being charged for 365 days of coverage, if you're only driving 50 days out of the year, you'll be charged for those 50 days. If you're driving 220 days out of the year, you'll be charged for 220. But the big thing that we wanted to do is, one, put dollars back into the the trucker's pockets. I think one of the really cool things about it is it's essentially democratizing insurance by breaking it up into these smaller payments. And so now you don't have to pay these massive installments on a monthly basis if your truck has just been sitting there, if you've been just been trying to keep your authority alive. And so that's what we're really excited about. That's like the big pitch in 60 seconds, this pay per day program that just uh, gives you this new flexibility in, uh, in procuring insurance mm-hmm. coverage.
1: Oh, wow. You know, what's interesting here, too, is that, well your, well, your brother's complaining about that insurance, right? Those insurance premiums. As I understand it, Lula was originally a ride sharing app for college students. When did you realize yeah. that you should start listening to your brother and, you know, you had a pivot and maybe Uber and Lyft uh, kind of have the ride share game figured out?
5: Yeah. yeah. So we started off. So what ended up happening with that business was we had, uh, we had developed a lot of technology in-house to manage the insurance side of things. You can imagine no insurance company wanted to work with us early on. And so we had to develop tools to vet all the drivers, to make sure they felt where they fell within certain requirements. We had to make sure that all the policies were organized, make sure that claims were handled in a specific way. And because we were charging for insurance every single time there was a rental, that's what really acted as a genesis for this episodic or per use approach. And so When the pandemic shut down the app for car sharing on college campuses or renting cars on college campuses, we realized we had this piece of technology that could be utilized in a lot of different industries, trucking being one of them. And because trucking is such a massive industry and it was one that was near and dear to my heart, we were just like, we had this like, oh shit moment. Like, man, we can use the driver vetting, the policy admin, the Mm -hmm. claims management to help these guys with their insurance and manage it for them. But on the flip side, that tech that we had built to sell insurance every time there was a rental, we can do the same thing to sell insurance every time there's a dispatch or a car or the vehicle is used. And so that's kind of how we ended up making the, the pivot or the switch into car sharing to insurance.
2: Yeah. So, Matthew, I think we have a pretty clear uh, understanding of the value and and who the customer would be. Right. Who is it not useful for? Because my mind's going, "Hmm, can this be uh, put to uh, use in in another customer base?
5: Yeah. So right now it's right now. And again, the demographic that we're going after is going to broaden up over time. Right now, it's really going to be focused on class A truckers, small fleet owners of 20 trucks or less. And so that's really where our our sweet spot is over time. We're going to be making adjustments so that we can become more inclusive to other types of trucks, uh, to trucks like classics trucks or even bigger fleets. But right now that's really what we're seeing. Our sweet spot is those, uh, fleets of 20 or less uh, hauling general freight. Um, and yeah, the, the ones that it's not necessarily meant for today are for instance, the guys that have their insurance captives. And the reason for that being is because they don't necessarily need help with procurement of coverage at an affordable price. They have their underwriting teams. They have their own in-house teams that help them do that. But we're actually going to be releasing a product in the next uh, six to 12 months where if you already have your insurance uh, coverage, you can actually just utilize the technology itself. You don't even need to get the insurance from us. And so That's who is not a fit for us today, but there will be a fit for us eventually.
1: So how many claims, like in this type of model, have you had uh, a lot of claims with with accidents? And has the underwriting portion from your end, has that been a challenge at all? You said like, you know, at least initially, you know, they're not really willing to take like a a flyer on you, but you're starting to build this (coughs) thing out. So uh, give us a little insight there.
5: Yeah, so the the claims numbers is something that I have to... I'd have to get from our team just because we, what do you call us? We, for the most part, ran a small pilot up until recently. And then now is really when we're starting to add fuel to the fire and start ramping up. So I'd have to get those numbers, but I can tell you like with, with some of the, with some of the other programs that we've had a full year of data on, because this one's still relatively new. So I'll give you some of the statistics on the mature program using our systems on the commercial auto side. That program in that industry, you're typically seeing losses of about 70% uh, in claims being paid out for every dollar the insurance company is uh, is collecting in premium. Our program saw less than 20% loss ratio. And so I'm completely aware that trucking is a whole different beast, but we feel pretty good that going into it just because we're taking steps that are much deeper than what's typical for underwriting. And so oftentimes you're looking at somebody's CSA scores one time and their driver scores for us. We're looking at a multitude of different things. We think you should be taking into account environmental factors. You should be taking into account not just how many years has the authority been around, but how many years has the driver actually been around working? How many years in the last two to five, in the last two, three, five years, have they actually been active? And so we take more of a holistic approach. And then at the same time, we're also using a lot of data from things like telematics. I think the big thing that to keep in mind is we're trying to use data to justify bringing insurance costs as low as possible, whereas a lot of these other companies are trying to use data to justify charging as much as possible. And we're also taking a very proactive approach in, in our underwriting because we want to minimize claims. And so instead of trying to protect uh, protect the insurance companies from having to pay out claims through fancy words in the, in the policies and things like that. We're just trying to limit, we're just trying to get the best uh, the best risk up front through our underwriting. And, and that's where we lean heavily on our, some of our partners on the experience of a lot of team members in-house. And so we've seen a lot of success so far. I know in our beta program, we had built that program up to about ha- to have about 272 trucks and again, small sample size, but we had less than a handful of claims there. Uh, during our couple of months as uh as uh operating that and so the the results were super super good and uh and yeah for a, a program that had 272 trucks again i'm, I'm aware it's small but the losses yeah. were so minimal it gives us a lot of confidence that that what we're doing and the steps we're taking are actually efficient
1: yeah you gotta build nice. from somewhere Matthew. Oh, yeah, hey, before we let it go send them to the wheel yeah. of stupid questions oh, let's do it, Vince, we haven't spun this thing enough this year no, I didn't. let's it's see what good. it lands on do it.
2: Oh, it's what do we got this for this is a good one here okay all right are you ready uh, what dead-before-their-time musician would have the best catalog today?
5: Hmm. Best catalog today. I would have to say, so I was actually, coincidentally enough, oh. I, was, oh. I ended up in some rabbit hole yesterday looking to see uh, how many monthly active listeners, guys like Michael Jackson and Prince ah, and a couple sure. of other uh, artists that were deceased. Just crazy coincidence. And I would have to say print. Uh, I would actually have to say queen. Queen, for whatever reason, their monthly listeners on Spotify is kicking everybody else's ass. I think there are like thirty six monthly, 36 million monthly listeners, whereas the others are like at 29, 14. And so I would have to say prince, even though... Uh, I mean, Queen, even yeah. though I wasn't necessarily such a big fan of their music. All
2: right. So right Freddie Mercury, Freddie right? Mercury gets love the Love to
5: call. ride that bicycle. Nice. Under pressure. Well, thank you very <laughs> much. You You're go.
1: under pressure to get the uh, to be the next stripe of trucking insurance. We appreciate your time today, Matthew. Go, go check out Lula Trucking. Thank L-U-L-A. Easy enough. Right thank on. You. Love thank it. you would, so much for having us. Michael Vincent, I would pick Kurt Cobain. I would love to see, like, okay, late was, stage, was, older was... Kurt Cobain getting into, like, folk from Alternative and, and where uh, he would have gone with that.
2: Yeah, see, I... I, I was going. I was going. Kurt Cobain or um, or Prince. Prince, and and so I'll just throw Prince's name
1: in a hat since I mean, Kurt's Prince already got, there got some for, work done though. In his
2: he got some work done, but they also discovered like four hundred <laughs> hours of tape that could be turned into albums after he. Of, of a newer
1: so. one, I was watching this documentary on HBO about uh, Juice World. It, uh, they have this music box series, it's actually produced by Bill Simmons.
2: Oh, okay. inspires yeah, me yeah. greatly. Yeah, yeah, He's yeah, yeah. Podcasting
1: is one of the first podcasts I ever listened to. Is Bill Simmons, but there you go. Um, yeah, Juice World, really, really good stuff. Anyways, Curtis Triver, CEO and co-founder at Exo Freight, is here to join us. And I'll tell you something interesting about him before we get into all this Uh-oh. stuff. He used to be an air traffic controller for the U.S. Air Force. Whoa, it's true. Okay. Wow. Get on our radar, Curtis. How are you doing today?
2: So tell us about all the UFOs, hey, man. What's up?
1: Hey Curtis, well, yeah, what well, uh, a okay, we talked about Barry Goldwater earlier, the monkey. Barry Goldwater, <laughs> yeah. for those of you who want a little trivia here, Barry Goldwater was the uh he was the guy who kept trying to get into the right building to
2: find yeah, out I'm if there were UFOs. In I I heard it was I heard it was uh, <laughs> Curtis here, wouldn't let him in.
6: <laughs>
1: hey, Curtis, introduce yourself, man. How are you doing today?
6: Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, like you said, like you said, Curtis Triber here, CEO of Exo Freight. And again, thanks for having me on. Always uh, love to be on all of the freightways. Uh you know, different shows and things. So yeah, happy to uh, be on the show. I'll, I'll add something else into there. Um, like the last gentleman that you had on, I'm also an identical twin. My co-founder is Chris Treiber. And the way that you can tell us apart is I'll be on things like this and he'll be at his computer uh, coding because he's a full stack engineer. <laughs>
1: Oh, wow, accidental bloodlines episode. We didn't, we didn't love realize it. we'd have all Absolute this, this family of guests. Well, hey, before we jump into things about what you do, I got to ask you, um, my dad was in the Air Force, by the way, so thank you for your service. But what is uh, what is something that is interesting about an air, a U.S. Air Force air traffic controller that we may not know? Um,
6: all planes are pointed directly at each other. <laughs> the sky is not as big as you, th- as you
2: think. <laughs> also, there's a giant game of chicken going on up there.
6: <laughs> it's a constant game of chicken for like an unlimited amount of vari- like number of variables. Right. So, you know, it's, you think, you know, they set it up in a way where if you think about a clock, right, you know, guys going East to West are at odd alt- altitudes, guys going the opposite are at, at even altitudes. And that would, you know, essentially uh, deescalate any collisions uh what you what some people fail to realize is that it's more 3d where you have people crossing through altitudes all the time going up or down sure um, so pretty much everybody's always pointed at each other in one way or another um, so, when these, so
1: it's a okay. very odd
6: that's a
2: calming that's a calming thought i'll use next time i'm on uh, a plane
1: well, uh, well when these planes are flying <laughs> at each other at what point did you go you know what i need to leave the air force and i need to go work in freight tech Where did your interest in uh freight tech come about
6: you know, I guess uh, being an air traffic controller just wasn't stressful enough, so I wanted to get into an even more <laughs> stressful career, which is logistics, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, uh, three years into my stint uh, in the Air Force, um, you know, I just, I, I'm more of an entrepreneur at heart. My brother is as well, and uh, it got to, to a point where, you know, I was doing really cool things in the Air Force and a, and a really fun job, but it just came down to I really wanted to start something on my own, and and you know that 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 quickly evolved into my first brokerage, um, starting in 2013, and, and sort of led me on this journey of logistics to where I'm at today, uh, through a couple of different roles and, and two different companies, uh, to ultimately found Exo Freight in 2020.
2: So where did the idea for Exo Freight come from? You know I, I think a
6: lot of people, you know, in my network agree with this, but you know I was doing a lot of consulting work for. I mean, you name it—the big, the big brokerages that exist, right? Um, mm-hmm. I did a lot of work for those folks, and so I was very uh, sort of behind the scenes on on what how they were operating, and, and and you know, some gaps, obviously, on the technology side. I think everybody in our, our industry has you know heard it a lot, you know, technology this, technology that. That was obviously the biggest gap. We were, I was trying to solve it my last uh, my last position, but the other gap was you know pretty apparent that you know across different. Uh, people that I would do work for, um, there was just no open deck component of their business. And it was really just this, you know, hey, we have customers that ask us for it all the time. You know, I've got a small team of people that sort of kind of handle it. It's not really our bread and butter. We've got a lot of problems to solve and a lot more market to sh- share to gain in what we're doing, which maybe was like van, temp control, or, you know, maybe intermodal. Um, and so it was just a pretty, Pretty big gap that we saw. You know, I, I'd argue to say that it's a third of the industry's you know domestic transportation, and there's nobody really out like building tools and solutions, um, you know, to handle it. And more importantly, you know, the shippers in our space and the openX space are, you know, they're really great companies, but their transportation departments are much further behind than you know the the large big box CPG mm. uh, transportation departments. Um, so there's just a lot of a lot of problems to solve internally on an open deck brokerage but also even more problems to solve upstream for like a shipper and then obviously at the carrier side i mean those are you know problems that will be uh you know actively trying to solve among other other firms in the space
1: well uh, yeah you focus on open deck shippers and carriers and i remember from Selling freight, Michael, Vincent, like the, the companies that I worked for, we we specialized in, in global like overseas yeah. freight, but we weren't great in like inland. So when anything, yeah. something would come in like out of gauge or just bulk freight or weird yeah. type of freight, it was always this massive hassle to find a truck for. it. Like we yeah. were not in the business of the truck and we just wanted to get this done. A lot of 3PLs are this way. By the way, those are the good ones to find. They just want a good, reliable carrier and they want that S to go. Yeah. Um, why focus on this market and what's unique about chal- about handling open deck shipments?
6: You know, I think the you mentioned the first thing, right? So we've had a lot of traction over the last year. We've gotten some press. um, We did some venture capital raise. uh, We did a raise last year. So we've gotten a lot of traction just being, uh, getting the industry aware of us. But, you know, we have a large portion of customers that are the one you just described, where they're handling a much bigger uh, transportation spend for maybe a large shipper, you know, maybe it's a forwarder. you know, just one of those types of companies. And we come in and offer them, you know, sort of this open deck one-stop shop. And it's just, you know, we're not there to get 100% of their drive-in business. We're there to, to handle this, like, you know, the black sheep, if you will. What do I do with this shipment? You know, hand it to ExoFreight, they'll, they'll handle it, right? So that's just been like a really big win for us. But, you know, what makes it unique is... You know, the way, that we, the way that I see it is the carrier base is a lot more regionalized, you know, so, so that just sort of demands almost like a different marketplace in itself. You know, so I'd say one of our early wins as a company and one of our first customers was a, a, very, a top three retailer um, handling, you know, probably the dirtier side of their business where, you know, they have this open deck transportation spend that's fairly massive um, and they have to stock all of their stores with this one product. Uh, and there are people incumbents that handle it, but there's nobody that really, you know, is is diving into it. So we saw that just as, a, as an easy opportunity. But these shipments are inherently fairly easy. But, you know, with a regional carrier base, you have to take a really different approach on how you handle it. You know, it's not always about, you know, building out the power lanes that you would maybe in the drive in space. It's more about, you know, how can I start to regionally. Um, acquire load density to sort of build these micro networks of flatbed carriers um, that can service maybe just a single one, two or three different ship points within maybe a 250 mile radius. Um, We notice within our current network that probably 80% of the carriers are a regional like 250 mile or less Mm -hmm. sort of home every night flatbed carrier versus like a long haul. Um, and so it's just a different approach, I think, than you see in maybe like the traditional dry van space where it's a lot of long haul, a lot of cross country, that type of thing.
2: Yeah. A lot of it's project based work as well with that. A lot of construction can tie to construction, that type of stuff. So what, what and yeah. we look at that quite a bit to look at the, the health of the economy. Our lead economist, Anthony Smith, loves flatbed rejections as an yeah. indicator for what's going on in the economy. What do you guys what you been seeing in, in capacity? So, I mean, obviously what you see in
6: that, that report that he puts out, it's very real. Um, We have a lot of shippers that are in sort of that high volume building material space. And, you know, traditionally you would see these sort of weird ebbs and flows that follow, um, you know, different like weather patterns and things like that. Uh, In the last two years, basically everything's just up and to the right. Demand is higher than ever for, you know, anything building product related. Um, we're having conversations with shippers that are just a lot different than maybe, you know, people would be used to. It's not necessarily how cheap can we get this done, but more along the lines of if you can execute um, that will allow you to demand maybe a better price. Right. So, you know, we're just seeing demand constantly go up. I mean, you know, we're gaining quite a few customers every month and the conversation is the same. You know, if you guys can execute for us in this space, uh, price will be secondary secondary to the execution layer. Um,
1: well, Curtis, I hear too that you're plugging into Startup Accelerator Y Combinator. When when does that start and uh, why did you get involved with that? Where do you hope it takes XO Freight? Yeah,
6: I mean, uh, I'd say like as a personal sort of dream of mine and, and even my brother's even, you know, starting back in like 2010 and a little bit before, you know, Y Combinator is this startup accelerator that is arguably sort of the most renowned in the world. They sort of launched or invented this theory of an accelerator. Um, so it's a very uh, prestigious program to be a part of. Um, and we actually uh, were accepted into Y Combinator um, last September. Uh, and, and it was actually specifically uh, by the president, Michael Michael Seibel, um, who was the, one of the co-founders of Twitch. Um, so we joined the program or we, we got accepted into the program in September. The program actually started in January. So we're actually currently about Uh approaching the halfway mark. Um, it's a three-month program. You know, and and the big thing for us is, you know, it's great that you know, companies in our space are raising money and big valuations. We just saw LoadSmart with a pretty um pretty nice raise uh last yesterday or the day before. That's right. Um but there's this sort of like validation, right? Like what we're doing in our company from a technology perspective, you know, you're always looking for either your industry to validate it or just external parties and And sort of getting into Y Combinator for us was a function of, you know, we've got this badge on our shoulder that, you know, people that have helped build some of the largest companies in the world, think about the Ubers of the world, you know, think about the Instacarts, the Dropboxes, these, you know, Stripe, these massive companies, um, they all went through Y Combinator. Airbnb, obviously, is their biggest one, right? And so they all went through the same program that we're going through. So it sort of gives us that confidence that, you know, if these people um have seen these large companies grow to be some of the best companies in the world you know if they're seeing that same value in us we think we're on to something really special yeah.
1: i think what's special is like 10 years ago if you heard that f- like freight technology companies are going into startup accelerators you yeah. out of your mind it would be like the last thing you hear and now, what you're saying sounds completely normal to me it's yep. it's, it's really cool in the meantime people want to check out exo freight where do we send them to
6: yeah, it's easy. EXOfreight.com, just EXOfreight.com, or you can jump on LinkedIn and, and look us up there. Um, you know, there's also just an email info at EXOfreight. You can reach out directly to me on LinkedIn. I'm the only Curtis Schreiber uh, on there. Uh, and then, yeah, we're happy to talk to carriers. We're happy to talk to partners in the industry. Um, and then we're also obviously always happy to uh, talk to shippers.
1: Cool, man. Sweet. And uh, I, I like this question. What dead before their time musician would have the best catalog today? I'm going to ask you it, too.
6: Yeah, I, I definitely heard that from the last uh, person that you had on, and I, I'm 100% with you. Right when you asked it, I said Kurt Cobain, Nirvana. That's that's it. That <laughs> I mean, I listen to that still today, and I think that most a lot of people do. Yeah
1: 24 for Dwayne Allman, Allman as well. Yeah. Which I think was Dwayne had one Allman. vote for Dwayne Allman. Yeah, one we did vote. hear that earlier. Well, thank you so much. <laughs> Curtis, we appreciate. it. By the way, thanks for uh, We're going to have an episode on those bees. That episode on the bees is coming up February 11th. Uh, so we'll talk about bee haulers, all that goes into Perfect. bees. Curtis helps set that uh, set that Sweet. up. I appreciate that, Curtis. Take it easy, sir. Absolutely. Have a great day, guys. All right. right let's go inside the newsletter quickly before we send you home. Well, the truck newsletter comes out, Almost every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern time, go to freightwavescom slash WTT to join the 6,000-plus subscribers and get this in your inbox. Every time we're running a little short on time here, so one thing I really, really want to promote is show this Freight Meme World Championship graphic oh, right yeah, now. Yeah, okay. That's right. We got the Freight Meme World Championship coming up on Monday, the first ever Freight Meme World Championship. Monday, 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 February seventh. Monday. Live. Monday. Right Monday. Here, it's Freight Caviars. Paul Bernard Jarolski is going to take on Boris Panov. It's the Balkans versus the versus Poland. Is that what we're doing? Yeah, it, it really is. is. It's the, the Balkans versus
2: Pol- Poland, man.
1: The creator go, of the man. title here, this WWE, the, the the what the truck title, Trophy Smack, Trophy Matt Smack, Walsh, Trophy baby. Smack. He's going to help us judge this competition. And he is making the championship ring. Yes. Trophy is for the first ever What the Truck Freight Meme World Championship. We can't wait. It's going to be a it. wild time. Uh, what else was in this news? There's <laughs> day, Brawl man, and gold corral. That's bad. That's a sign of like, society falling apart. Not this, a stake I mean, I th- I th- th- shortage. Yeah, steak short. Hopefully we a supply steak chain. Why'd you punch him in the face? There was no steak. There was no steak. It was line. taking too long in the,
2: in the, in the, in the line <laughs> waiting yeah. for that uh, high-quality steak.
1: Hey, what else did we cover in there? We had the Freedom Convoy. We talked a little bit about them. We talked about uh, the state of spot rates going on right now. They're still highly elevated up in the Raptors, people. Uh, we talked a little about bathrooms and all those things. Again, FreightWaves.com slash wtt to Subscribe. We'll be back Friday. 12 p.m. Eastern Time. Subscribe, podcast, players everywhere. Download TV. Find me on Twitter at Timothy That's D-O-O-N-E-R. Find him at Vincent the Dude. And you tell them how to be today. Hey,
2: peace and love. Spread it everywhere.